0: Car, the copyrighted program created for the Rio Grande Royal Company. Company Police, calling all cars, attention all cars, just 122. Be on the lookout for a black carrying car, license number unknown. The right rear wheel carrying is stonily, skiddly sky. Left rear wheel carrying a 6 side Jupiter with a tread side of the car is worn in connection with a string of Motor Officer Kramer. That's all those. While gathering information from the police officers who worked on the case you were now here, an executive of the Rio Gandhi oil company took the opportunity to ask motorcycle policemen and the police car drivers for their opinion of the Real Grande cracked gasoline, which has been used exclusively for years by the Los Angeles Police Department. With one exception, these officers praised the Uganda and admitted that the patented cracking process personally did give the Uganda cuts more liveliness and prep than other gasoline. They admitted that it was the fastest and most powerful gasoline they had ever used. But one hard-boiled old veteran said, Jerry you got to find gasoline for these new high-powered police cars. Those high-complexion engines, real gasoline, that's all cracked up. They're a and sugar. And I don't use your Rio Grande trash in my own car. I've only got an old Ford. And I can't afford your fine, such a echo, and gasoline. I buy the cheapest gasoline I can get. Anything's good enough for my old car. Well, that was a challenge the Rio Grande investigators couldn't ignore. So he persuaded the officer to try a tank full of Rio Grande trash gasoline in the old Ford. And today he received a telephone call from the officer who offered this testimony. Aha. I have never been able to all the of a freestyle now. It's a new angle. Anyway. It's full of and stuff. It's fine. You know, I've the that you've a I've been sitting now, but more than and enjoying a pure performance Now it is our pleasure to present Chief James E. Davis of the Los Angeles Police Department. Chief Davis. Good evening, friends. Our story tonight goes back quite a few years to the days when science had not yet provided your police officers with the high speed criminal catching equipment of today. Had we possessed the teletype and radio when motorcycle patrolman Kramer was killed, our murderer would probably have been in custody within an hour of the time he unwisely fired his gun. This murderer committed the arch crime. He killed a police officer. Though it may take years, and though the criminal may escape to the ends of the earth, one thing is certain: He who kills a policeman will eventually be brought before the bars of justice to answer for his crime. For every other police officer in the country is sworn to avenge the murder of a brother officer. They never rest until the policeman killer has either been placed behind prison bars or staffably executed. It is a few days before Christmas. Motorcycle officers Tom Kramer and E.J. Lenech are taking at the corner of 23rd and Main Street in Los Angeles, from a big black touring car canoes around the corner of the road Kramer whistles for the car to stop, and it rolls down 23rd Street. Kramer gets over his motor and makes a car faster. Rock after that, the host continues to the, the, the drive, and the cat's car, suddenly slows down, swings out, and comes big rocks into the pursuing motorcycle. As Kramer, a bullet in his chest, raises faithfully, crashing into the curb, the big cat's touring car rolls away into the night. In a few minutes, a detachment of the detectives under the leadership of Sergeant Joe Taylor, the present chief of the detectives, arrived at the scene. The officers pushed their way through the silent crowd to the the body of Officer Kramer, lying under an light beside his left motorcycle. Officer Lene, taken with grief at the death of his partner, tells his story to Sergeant
1: Taylor. You see, Sergeant, we were parked at the corner of 23rd and Maine, and a big black car came tearing along nearly run into a car. Tom took out after it. And a minute later, I went after some bird in the road for doing about 50. I didn't know anything had happened until I was desired on his car. <laughs>
2: Towards
0: midnight, while pulling for combing the city for the steepest flat-screwing car, Officer Paul Stevens that was a very frightened young girl of 13, was a detective willow. In the presence
2: the of Chief Butler, Detective Lieutenant George C. home and Sergeant Taylor, she tells her story. I was in the market space at dinner time tonight when a car drove up and front ahead of me. Just as I passed it, a man jumped out and grabbed me. I screamed and he hit me. He said he'd kill me if I made any more noise, and I was scared. So I kept crying. He stuck a hook at one of my mouth and he tied my hands and feet of the little straps and he tied a cap around my head. And then he got in the car and he started it off. A little while later, I heard a whistle like he's the me, and then I heard a car and, and then I heard a popping noise like like a tire blew out. You
0: heard a popping noise? Yes, sir. And
2: where did this happen? Oh, I, I was walking down Eighth Street when Kramer was shot on
0: Twenty Third. How's it
2: well, that's why we got married. We go faster and faster. And we left the smooth olden, or whatever some baby roads. And then he stopped. And he lifted me out of the car and laid me down on the ground. And we were all out in the kitchen, sitting in the middle of a big field. Do you think you
0: could find this field again?
2: Oh, well, yes, sir. You see, I think could be there for a long time. He said he made a mistake and he shouldn't have the wrong deal. So he said if I turned to try to kill anybody he'd let me go. I told him I shouldn't know how to find my way home field. so he picked me up and scarred me across the field to a road, and he gave me a bang and told me to walk straight ahead to the car line. I couldn't eat as well with just tied on my oak. Then so I sat down and took him off and then I ran as fast as I could until I got to the speaker. And then I told you to look at him kidding up, and here I am. And I know I'd like to come home because my mother would be worried. I uh, guess
0: she'll take you home in a minute. So what St. Carline was it, do you remember?
2: Oh, it's good universe you obviously. Know, did he
0: hurt you in any way?
2: Oh no. he, he was hitting when I screamed. But after that he was very kind to me. And did
0: you get a good look at this man?
2: No, it was and I couldn't see him very well.
0: Well, would you recognize his voice?
2: I don't think so. He's a drunken little thing. He made me this fatigue. Gee, he likes to go through the screens. I suppose he will.
0: Are
2: you drunk? I don't know. He smells kind of funny, though. Right? Oh, I forgot to tell you. When he was putting the straps on my arms, I did him. I could have seen the awful huh? He said I know did it all.
0: Do you think he left the scar?
2: Yeah, I think I do a little the gold in him, Dave. You
0: didn't notice the license number that was tied
2: did you? No, sir. I couldn't have seen it because we had the life off when we were in the field. Uh,
0: you said you had a basket of groceries with you. Yes,
2: sir. What happened to it? Oh, well, I don't know if I did.
0: What was in the basket?
2: Oh, there was a package of vacancies and the living Two loads of wood in the town of Betty.
0: Now, can you think of anything else that happened? Anything that you haven't told us?
2: Nothing. I I don't know you
0: I don't know. You, Bessie Ruth. she's been a mighty brave girl, and we appreciate the help you've given us. Ruth is escorted home to her parents, who were on the point of notifying the police of their daughter's disappearance when the officers deliver her to them. the next day, the officers pick up Ruth's burial from the end of the University Avenue trolley line, follow her footprints down the road pick up the tail of a man which leads them oh. to tire tracks beside a mound of dirt in the middle of the field. There's a handkerchief. Well, uh, let me see it. Yep. That's the one he used to gag over All right. right? Yeah. You got yeah. Any other description, oh. Mark? Longer, Mark. Number 405. Uh-huh. I didn't have to check that. Hmm. Wonder what's under this mound of dirt. Looks like it's just and turned over. Here you are, George. The groceries the kid bought. Dye. Yeah, and I've got a hunch and pay with the gun out there too. You better call headquarters. you only have them send out a photographer and a man who knows tire Okay. Yeah, and tell them to send some more boys out to the And I'm sure that this around here somewhere. <laughs> While Derm and Taylor wait for the men from headquarters, they begin to dig up the ground around the tire tracks with food boys from a nearby range. But after a half hour of fat, crazy work, when the photographer and the tire man arrive, they have found nothing. Careful, the tire man examines the mark. Well, yes, Stephen, what do you say? The rear left wheel tired is six-ply. Jupiter put it with a tread slightly the The rear right tire is a standard kidney. Yeah, well, not something to go on at any rate. A black-building car with a Jupiter six-ply and a standard kidney on the rear wheels. And now, if we could only find that gun... Late that afternoon, the officer's suit gave up the dirt and kept the gun. And the white flag the police turned their of laundry for the end of laundry, mark number 405, Another on a scene the death with a black touring car with the intimidating tires. Chief Butler sends a telegram to the grave zone, Company. The you inform to whom was sold the Colt thirty-two caliber revolver, number one six four two five six? John L. Butler, Chief of Police, Los Angeles. John L. Butler, Chief of Police, Los Angeles. Our thirty-two caliber revolver, number one six four two five six, sold to Martin Hardware Company, San Francisco. Chief of Police San Francisco. Signed to Chip sale of Coach 32 caliber Revolver, number one six four two five six, and signed with the Martin Hardware Company in New York City. John, Butler, yes, John L. Butler, Chief of Police, Los Angeles. John L. Butler, Chief of Police, Los Angeles. Our record show post revolver number one six four two five six. Armed here, June twentieth, by one Arthur Anderson, and redeemed December seventeenth. Our officers are attempting to interview Mr. Anderson. Thomas we want to know about a gun you pawned last June twentieth and redeemed on the seventeenth of December. Well, I don't know anything about pawning a gun. Where are you on the twentieth of December. Right here in San Francisco. When did you last leave San Francisco? Oh, I haven't been out of Paris for six months. You want a gun, Mr. Anderson? No, oh, uh, I used to have one. What time? Cold, I think it was thirty-two. Maybe. I'm not sure. Where is it now? I gave it to my brother. And where's your brother? Well, he's in Los Angeles, the last time I heard from him. in Los Angeles? Oh, you don't think I've got a little point on my brother, do you? I'm scared this is holding information from the police, Mr. Anderson. And the boys down in Los Angeles will find him anyway. So you might as well be smart and play on the side of the law. Oh, all right. First I heard from Walter, we was living up new. Walter. Next day, Anderson's brother, Walter, is arrested by Detective Sergeants H. H Klein and Sidney Hickok and brought in for questions. At headquarters, he faces an ominous ring of officers firing questions at him. Why did you kill that motorcycle officer? I didn't. Well, why did you kidnap that little girl? I don't know nothing about it. This is your gun, isn't it? Oh. You well, know that best guy used to get away. I'm innocent. It doesn't look that good enough, Anderson. Mm-hmm. This gun that you know belongs to your brother in San Francisco, and which he said he lent to you, is the gun that killed Officer Koma. And you prove all that in court, and he'll bring you as sure as you're sitting there. Well, I said I'm innocent. As you haven't convinced us yet of oh. that. No, sir. You see, this place. I lent a gun to a friend of mine. Oh, yeah. That sounds familiar. You don't expect us to believe that, do you? Well, all right. Let him alone, boys. Let him tell the story. Go on, Anderson. Well, when I asked my friend to give the gun back to me, he said it would be difficult. He wouldn't tell me where. was this friend? I don't want to mention no name. Anyway, I'll see you. Okay, go on. Well, a few days later, my friend came to my place and asked me to lend him 200 bucks. I told him I didn't have no bill, and that's when... He said he just he'd have to tell me about the gas. Oh, Look boy. Really? I can't get through with this. I can't turn in a pallet. Maybe you'd rather sing for the job yourself. What's the name of this friend of yours? Uh, his name's Jim Darwin. He said he was trying to kidnap a young kid whose family got Joe. That night he got drunk and grabbed the wrong kid. Boy, he knew it, though. That speed cop started after him. Well, he was all balled up. He couldn't stand a pinch with his kid all hiding in uh, the dust tube. He let the cop have it. And he saw he bumped the copper off, and he filled it up in a hurry. Yeah, imagine he did. So he drove the girl out to the country and turned the And this Jim Darwin now. I uh, know. He ain't around L.A. without the thing. Well, who else did this Darwin know and look after He's ironed on with the thing that runs the rooming house over on Grand Avenue. He said he was going to try to get the 200 bucks from her. What number on Grand Avenue? Jim Carl, think. What's her name? I don't know her name. She can't miss her. She's short and heavy. She can't miss her. Lynn? You and Joe better go over there and talk to this one. Yes, sir. Right away. Come on, Bo. A few moments later, Detective Taylor and Bo are interviewing the land lady at the Grand Avenue address. Red. You got a provider here? Yeah. You know a man named Jim Garland? Uh,
1: Oh, Jim, too.
0: Pretty good friend of yours, isn't
1: he? I don't know if how that's any of your business.
0: Well, it is our business. You see, we're police officers. What of it? Isn't it true that you and Jim Garland are...
1: Close, I don't have to answer your question. No,
0: you don't. I think you're better. You're looking for Jim Darwin
1: on a murder card. What? Yeah, he murdered a police officer while he was kidnapping a young girl. Where is he? I don't know. He lives here, doesn't he? Yeah, but he ain't here now. So that's what he wanted the two hundred dollars for. What did you say? He borrowed $200 from me. Said his mother was dying in Chicago and he had to get to her. When was this? Just before Christmas. In London the money? Yeah. Then you were close to him. Uh, I loved him, I guess. What did you tell you about the murder? Nothing. I don't know nothing about it. Sure that? Right? Positive. Has his room been rented? No, I've been keeping it for him. I thought he'd be back soon. Looks like he won't now, though. I wouldn't think so. What's his room? Right here. no store to yours, eh? Quite convenient. Got a key to it? Yeah. Open it up. And you've got to have a safe oh, If you're
0: smart, you won't give us any trouble. You know we can get a set once in 15 minutes, so why be tough? Let's open up that room. Mm-hmm. All right. You have a picture of him on the door? Yes. Yeah. Is he his handkerchief in the door? I guess so.
1: Look here,
0: boy. Right. These handkerchiefs all have the laundry mark number 405. He's changed the handkerchief he used to drag that kid with. Yes, that's three years in the there There's no question about it now. Jim Darwin is the man we want.
1: Well, you'll never get him, I can tell you. He's too smart for you, Uh, copper. Nevertheless,
0: the officers take out Darwin's room for several days in the hope that he may attempt to return to see with him nominates. The photograph of Darwin is reproduced on purgators and sent to chief officers all over the United States. And on January ninth, the Capitone landed on Ground Avenue after repeated questioning admits that Darwin had another address in Inglewood. Taylor and Bowie immediately got out to the house, only to find Doesn't look as though anyone was living here, Bo. Nope. No turkeys behind the window, no furniture in the room. Let's have a look around there. uh uh-huh. Hmm. The large door is locked. Grab that rock there. We'll open it for the Okay. Okay, uh, look. Well, I thought was on the tinkering. See if I was a nice-looking little. Is anyone looking for someone? Yeah. He lived in that house last. Most of but he moved. How long ago? Oh, sometime, before Christmas. Say so his name was Lawrence. say. Eh? That's what he called himself. What's in this garage? I don't know. Take a look at that side lock of the rock, though. Here, here, now, look here. Now, you, you can't go break him in the door. No, well, we're doing, it. Well, I call the police now. That's what I oh, do, and I... Oh, say Where the police... <laughs> Uh, police? Well, uh, uh, well, what seems to be the matter? A little murder case. Murder? Oh, there
1: you are. Pull it off. All right. <laughs> a black shooting car. Yeah. you got to look on the rear
0: wheel. A standard sticker on the right, and the six-size move it around the left. This is a getaway car. No mistake. Uh, you see Mr. Lawrence left here for a Yeah. Where'd he go? Well, he said he had a go His mother was sick. Did you see him drive in here on the 17th of December? Well, uh, no, I, I don't remember date. Okay, he left here just before Christmas. Yeah, that's right. Well, was he driving the car the last two days before he left? Uh, come to think of it, uh, he wasn't. I, I remember remarking to the missus that was strange Mr. Lawrence was using the streetcar. I don't think he used his automobile after that morning and cleaned off the driveway. What's that? Well, uh, one morning early, I saw him driving into the garage, and he got out and scraped the muddy tracks from the driveway, and then walked the driveway with a hole. Funny thing, too. It looked like rain that day. Mm, covering up, both. Yeah. Could so that have been the morning of the seventeenth of December? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it could have been, but of course I can't be sure. I, I never was much of a handful in numbering days. <laughs> On the black, murder car, police obtain fingerprints of the wanted man, and these were his picture of blood cast across the country. But months go by, and the unwieldy and vigilance of the Los Angeles officers goes unrewarded. And then the a of later, a citizen and pastor, calls on the tenant home of the detective Bureau. Lieutenant Holmes, <clears throat> My name is Randolph. John Randolph, Yes, Mr. Randolph, You investigated that murder of a police officer last Christmas, didn't you? Yes, I was on that case. Well, <clears throat> I just returned to a business trip to Mexico. And something happened down there that I thought you'd be interested in there. I was visiting a friend of mine, down in the has There's a big cattle ranch down in Sonora near Henry There go Well, while I was there, one of the cowboys struck up in the with me. Noticed the California place on my car and started to ask me a lot of questions about Los Angeles. And particularly about the murder of that policeman. Now, it's certainly funny that he was so interested in that piece. And I felt it my duty to tell you about it as soon as I got back. What is the name of this fellow? John Lanell said his name was Jim Berwin. Jim Berwin. Berwin? John. Joe Killer? Yes, George. Take him back down and take will you? there. Uh, All right. Did this fellow give you any reason for being so interested in the coma killing? Well, <clears> he said he knew a man who was a friend of the officers. You are, George. All right, fine, thanks. Now, Mr. Randolph, is your cowboy with anything like teach? Uh, yes. yes, yes. always will take a very good picture of time. Go catch your bag. You're leaving for Hermosillo, Mexico to arrest the cowboy named Jim Burden for the murder of Tom Craner. Mm-hmm. Thirty-six hours later, Cora and Bell leave the railway of Hermesillo and hire a look at the jitney to send the long bundleship across the rolling green range of northern Sonora. Hours later, be approached the hacienda of Don Romero. It's wrong. It's You're out. Don't bring the plumber. Yes. Hey. <laughs> and it's here, senor. Uh, Where's the hacienda of Don Romero? Oh, fine. Are uh, you, Don Romero? That's your service, senor. And Detective Sergeant Taylor, a little bang of police squadron. This is the Detective Sergeant Paul. And more or less, senor. So you'll be so kind. This is such a comfort of my window. Thanks, Donald, but we'll have to be friends for now. It isn't better than fun. Oh, you know, sir. Always in uh, a hurry. You what is the, uh, as uh, you say, point? We're looking for a cowboy that works for you. The name of Jim Berwyn. Jim Berwyn? Yes, yeah, Berwyn.
2: Yeah.
0: He's so stabbed. Mm-hmm. He's gone. He's gone. He's hung up. He talked one day with his gentleman of yours. The new amigo, Senor Randolzi. Uh, next day, Senor Randolzi uh, leaves to Los Angeles. The day after that, uh, if I care of bourbon, he leaves to It is hard to understand, you know, Sonor. where did he go? He mm-hmm. did not stop to say. him now. You see, some him, some things of value, left. really. And more months go by with no word of the murderer. And then, nearly 3,000 miles away, in the little town of Greenford, Pennsylvania, two men meet in a saloon. I've been looking for you, Fry. Yeah, the pal. Right. Listen, I'm going to give Michael Marge's. Yeah, see, it's my game, Chase. Well, I should think he'd have something to say about that. I'm telling you, over the right science it's mine. That's not what you called me. You lie. Right. Oh, go on. See, that. I thought you'd like to do over there.
2: Hey, come
0: on, get Give me a gift. Come a... ah. never regained consciousness, and police provided by witnesses with a description of the killer who is known in Williamsburg as Edward Miller throw a drug yet around Alabama County. Then, 24 hours later, a confused gentleman walked into the Northside police station in Pittsburgh. Yes, sir, what is it? Well, stop, Cynthia. I don't know whether i the
2: be after seeing things or what, but I was just walking home from work as I was passing under the fourth plane railroad bridge on Mudson Street, I seen a man's foot sticking out. Well, I yelled him, and the foot pulled right out of sight. What? It's surely down am gone, that's what I seen. He, he must be between the tracks, and if he over the street,
0: there's uh, no something. we will investigate it right away. The man hiding in the bridge refuses to give himself up, and Chris witted Officer McNaughton, plans a harmless way of ejecting him. i hole, think about ten pound
2: now.
0: come. i
1: Oh,
0: slap the chest on him up there. Don't worry, I will as soon as I get the water out of the air. You did not get wet. Good, he's No, I didn't get wet. And I'm broke. The Republican prisoner taken in, booked on a technical charge, and fingerprinted. Next morning, he's interviewed by Captain the mm-hmm. and Clyde mm-hmm. Ederburn of the Pittsburgh Police Department. What's her name? James Gantz alias Edward early I don't know what you mean. Alias Jim Burwin. Alias Jim Darwin. I don't know what you're talking about. As Edward Mallory shot and killed Edward Greensburg last week. As Jim Burwin, he worked on a lance in Mexico last year. As Jim Darwin, he kidnapped a little girl in Los Angeles two years ago. Shot and killed a motorcycle officer. that you will get away. And if we don't send you up for murder from Alabama County, you'll go up for murder from Los Angeles. How about it? Have I made any mistakes so far? No, Stephen, I just not. I just feel about a hundred percent right. Although Los Angeles did their best to extradite Darwin and bring him to trial for the murder of, of Officer Kramer, the Allegheny County officials insist on prosecuting him for the Greensburg murder. He was found guilty and sentenced to the Western Penitentiary in Pennsylvania for not less than nineteen nor more than twenty years on a verdict of second degree murder. When he has served his time, we still have a hold against him and hope that we may bring him to Los Angeles and try him for the murder of our brother Officer. Thank you, that if there is a single boy or girl listening tonight who has not yet seen the free G-Man and junior police officer go to your neighborhood Rio Grande crash Japanese dealer and learn how you can get a lot of valuable gifts absolutely free. If there is anyone listening who has not yet read the calling all cars news, then by all means get a free copy from the Rio Grande dealer. And if there is any motorist listening who has not yet tried thin air motor oil, then we warn you, you're missing the greatest value your Rio Grande dealer offers lubrication experts the world over know that thin Clare's unique process of extracting useless wax and petroleum jelly leaves an absolutely pure oil. In cold weather, when most oils can like hard stiff water, thin Clare motor oils lubricate perfectly. At high speed, the wax and jelly and other oils thin out dangerously until fast-moving parts get no lubrication at all. Expert oil barrels Every one of the 150 railroads and the leading airlines specify Sinclair move royals because they're a B-wack and do These orders from the country's largest oil users, as well as the demand for millions of smart motors, have made Sinclair the largest refiner of lubricants in America. Their tremendous volume enables them to give you Sinclair Motor royals in sealed cans of bargain prices for such high quality. Only $0.25 cents a quart for Opaline and $0.30 cents for pure Pennsylvania. You can get Sinclair motor oil wherever Rio Grande Cracked gasoline is sold. The
1: police calling all cars. Attention all cars. The cancellation does just 122. The check miscars now in custody. That's all.
0: You're married to Budgie Lindsay, bidding you good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company. Listen to calling all cars. Now also broadcast over the Western Network, KNX Hollywood. KSFO San Francisco, every Thursday evening, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time and 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time.